This episode is sponsored by my go-to stop for all things makeup. It's Revlon. Hey everybody, I'm Ashley Graham and this is Pretty Big Deal where confidence is key. Every episode, I get to pick the brains of brilliant, inspiring, honest, new and old friends who are a pretty big deal. Today, we are talking to the amazing co-founders and co-CEOs behind The Skim, Carly Zakin and Danielle Weisberg. Carly and Danielle are two journalists turned media mavens that show no signs of slowing down. All right, we've got Danielle and Carly from The Skim! You should intro us everywhere. I know, right? So you guys have been best friends for... Well, but can I say best friends? You can say, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, maybe it evolved. It, I know. <laughs> yeah, like, are we besties? Like, we don't really like labels. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Funny. I don't either. <laughs> so, but you guys have been besties since you were 20. Yeah. yeah. And I just want to go back to NBC. Okay. NBC News. Well, we didn't meet there. Do you know? You didn't? We have mm-hmm. such a better meeting story. Okay, come on. Give it to it's me. It's like a real meeting. Give it to me. Give it to me. We met in Rome, as most founders do. Yeah. Actually, I'm so terrible. I knew this, but tell, tell my audience. Okay. So for your audience, we went to separate colleges, signed up for the same random um, study abroad program in Rome. There was like probably like 100 kids or so on the program. So you you kind of like recognized everybody but didn't know everybody by name. Um, So we met like the first week or so and we were both looking for, Rome is really famous for fried artichokes. Yeah. And we were both trying to find where to go to get them. Just the two of you. Yeah. Yeah. So we were friendly and then we were like Facebook friends. Turns out we didn't know this at the time. We had both interned at NBC like same summers for sometimes the same people but different parts of the summer, different years. So then flash forward like two years later we graduate school my first or second week on my at my job at NBC I read an article written by Danielle for the department I used to intern for so I Facebook messaged her and was like is this you and she's like yes like are you here too did you get those artichokes we didn't ask we each did. other. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, so you were living in D.C. Yeah. and I was in New York. And then I really wanted to move to D.C. So we talked like all the time about, you know, what job I could get there, where I could live and just then became really good friends. Aww. So you're at NBC. So when did you guys realize that you needed to leave and start your own business? So in 2012, we were both 25 years old and having a quarter life crisis. Which many of us have been there. Totally. And it's such a real thing. Like you get out of school, you get the jobs or you're on the path that you want to be on, which is very much where we were. Like Mm -hmm. we wanted to have these dream jobs forever, getting our foot in the door, working up the ladder there really quickly, looking around and realizing that our bosses were taking buyouts and that the career path that we thought we would have in TV news or even digital news didn't really exist anymore. We graduated in 2008, like four or five years better. The job market was still not good. Mm -hmm. Everyone was trying to figure out how to monetize media. And on the other side, we would go home every day to each other and talk about that Our friends and our family would text us and ask us what was going on that day. And it was just who we are. We loved reading. We loved politics. We loved news. You guys were the informants. Yeah, Yeah. it was our profession and our hobby. Mm. And we took a step back and we really thought about millennial women influencing hundreds of billions of dollars in spending each year, leading in so many different ways. And they really deserve to have an information source that fit into how they live their lives. And when they can trust. Girl, you're (laughs) giving me so much information. You just, like, you can't just think of it like that. Like, it just came out of... Honestly, it is 
people ask us, like, how did you come up with the voice? Yeah. And we sat down, and Carly was in D.C., and I was in New York. We were both at bars in separate cities, <laughs> and I remember, like, being on the phone with her, and we were like, let's do a practice of what this would sound like. Mm-hmm. And we're both sitting down we with, like, really a glass fun to of hang wine. Out with. We're just, like, at a bar <laughs> By ourselves on the phone <laughs> with our computer. But I just love how, like, you guys were you, – you weren't party girls. Like, you were just, like – you knew there was more social, to this. But I, I social, think, but you knew. You knew that there felt, was something bigger to I what was happening. We both knew for, I think, our own careers that we wanted to we wanted to do something big. Mm-hmm. I think that— I didn't feel like I was living up to my potential. Yeah. And I knew that. Wow. So all the young girls, I guess, and boys out there who are listening, who don't feel like they're living up to their best potential, what is it that they can do to their- exercise— an idea like the skim? I think the biggest thing that would have held us back was ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say it's easy. Like, we did not have a savings net to fall back on. We didn't have a security plan. We were terrified. But I think the only thing that would have stopped us was each other from Mm -hmm. saying yes. I loved writing. I love politics. But I wanted to do it big, whatever I did. Right. And I don't think that that was anything that like, oh, I went to work thinking, you know, when I first got my job, that's what I was going to do. But I think in the back of both of our minds, I think we knew we could do more. I think so. So it's really, truly about knowing where you are in life and knowing that every step is going to take you to the next big step. Yeah. I mean, I think like we talked about this before. Believing that is a big one. Yeah. yeah. Knowing that you're sitting on a lot of things you want to do and how do you bring it together to make it happen? And we both, um, we were really lucky that like we, there was so much that was like hard to articulate that we didn't have to to the other. And part of it because we grew up similarly and we had similar jobs and we made similarly not a lot of money. And so there was just sort of like unspoken things. But I think also we articulated now, um, like it makes sense now. But at the time, it was just we both felt stuck and we're trying to unstuck ourselves. Unstuck ourselves. I yeah, like that. I don't that. know if that's good grammar. That's no, okay. <laughs> so now it's all about the signature product. The Daily Skim. And more, I think. Like, we, so it's been seven years. And seven million subscribers. Plus me. Yeah, plus you. And my mom. And Oprah. And Oprah. I know, that one will never, I mean, <sighs> yeah. It's just, yeah, it's crazy. Wait, who's the best next subscriber surprise OMG moment besides Oprah? Oh, God. We have heard rumors that. Michelle Obama reads it, but I don't Duh, know for sure. Of course she well, we've does. we've interviewed her, too. We have, so, but I don't know. Yeah. Like, we have interviewed her, but I, 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 I choose to believe. She probably subscribed, and, like, whether she reads it every day, we yeah, don't I'm know. I'm going to choose to think that. Yeah. Right? That's, that's that would her. be a cool one. But maybe one. then she does read it every day. Yeah, Michelle definitely reads it every day. I changed my answer. You better speak it into existence, Carly. <laughs> I speak it. Uh, uh, no, Mich- Yeah, I think Michelle. I remember once someone told us Wolf Blitzer reads the skim, and I was like, I wasn't expecting that, but this is so fun. <laughs> So, okay, so it's more than just the skim now. It's a membership to Living Smarter. So we've got the newsletter. We've got podcasts like Skim This that comes out at 5 p.m., catches you up on what you missed, being mm-hmm. a real person, living your life. We have our app, Skim Ahead, that integrates into your calendar. So you, we can program literally for you what's coming up so you never have to miss anything we've got videos we've got our no excuses campaign all about voter registration we will get to that yes now it's become a whole ecosystem and a team man when did you guys know that this game was going to be so huge our first day literally there was press about us and four days later we were mentioned on the today show and like all of a sudden just all these people were writing into us and i just i remember as it kind of became like a domino effect 
of just this amazing loyalty and community building around it. Like I would just like, we'd like look at each other and we we're like, what have we done? And I remember like literally laying in bed at night and staring at the ceiling and being like, it's happening, it's happening. So I think early on we knew something like very special was happening. And even on like the days that were really hard and, and we we're like, is this gonna continue? Mm -hmm. It was this very out of body experience. I was like, keep going, it's happening. When did we have dinner at the Forbes? The Forbes thing. Was that was three years ago? Four years ago. Four, four years, years ago. Four years ago, because we weren't 30 yet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And yeah. at what point were you guys, we, were you in, you were 30 under 30. Forbes 30 under 30 was like a dream. It was the- For anyone. For anyone. Yeah. I mean, we used to, I used to like in our old jobs, like wait for the list to come out, like read it cover to cover. It was it was a dream. And we got approached to be in it, which we were like, this is a, such a pinch me moment. This is so crazy. And then they said that they could only do one of us. And at this point, I mean, we were literally, we were roommates, we had no money, we had no employees, we hadn't been able to raise yet. And we had this conversation where we were like, it has to be both of us or none of us because if we start showing that you could divide us, like that's not gonna set us up for success for the imaginary team that we didn't have. And we- Don't divide us. We said no. We said, thank you so much, but unless it's both of us, we can. And they were like, we understand, like wish you the best of luck. And I recently met the editor who I guess knew about it at the time and they were all so impressed. They told me that we had said no and like kind of had the, like the balls to say no, that they then came back and made their one-time exception and featured the two of us and we got you a whole page. You didn't tell me that story. I forgot. Oh, that's a good thing. Sorry. Yeah. So you don't tell each other everything. Yeah. I think well, normally we do. <laughs> I forgot to yeah. um, But we got a full page. Wow. Okay, so now you've got over 100 employees. Yes. But what is it like day to day, just the two of you? A lot of things have changed. What hasn't is that like we still talk all day long. <laughs> I <Yeah>. love that. <laughs> we do, like yeah. all day. Also, yesterday we were on a flight. We were coming back from somewhere, and the guy sitting next to me was like, "Oh, do you want me to switch so you can sit next to your friends?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> we're like it's fine. Yeah. We're in the same row. We're like, we like, got it. We can have three hours <laughs> where we're like, I can see her, but not be next to her. I think our days have always been crazy and a mix of like so many different things and putting out so many different fires. I think now what is different is that we're managing like real executives. We have an amazing executive team. We've onboarded a COO, a CTO, a chief product officer, a CMO. We have a fantastic chief of staff. Like we just are building a team to scale this in a mm -hmm. bigger way than we could imagine like five years ago. Wow. Okay. So you guys can kind of almost step back. No. No. Oh. <laughs> no. I mean, I think what we've done a really good job about is stepping out of the day-to-day -day weeds. Um, like, I think our book tour was a great example of that. Like, we were out of the office for a month. That was crazy for us. And our team, I mean, like, they did such an incredible job, and we were so nervous before we did it. And I think... It, it was such a great thing to come back to and realize like our, we've hired such a great team that like not only did nothing break, but like it was so much better. And so I think we spent a lot of our time on kind of like we're in like 2022 right now. Yeah. Like we're, we're definitely like in the strategy part that's years from now um, versus in the reactive day to day. And that's been that's been a real shift for us. That's fantastic. That's fun. Mom and dad came home and made sure that everything was fine. I know. <laughs> I know. And it was. Yeah. <laughs> they did a great job. Oh, that's really good to hear. Yeah. That means that you guys have hired the right people. Yeah. Yes. Is it a lot of women working for you? We do have a lot yeah. of women in yeah. office, yeah. And people of color and like yeah, I think as a company, we're always trying to be more diverse and more inclusive. Yeah. And that's something that we've really spent the past two years focusing on 
is how can we make sure that everyone shows up feeling proud of where they work and representing it. And I think as a company, we've done some great things. I think there's a lot more that we can do. And, mm -hmm. you know, we have a team that challenges us and pushes us to be better than we are today. That's good. Yeah. And just to be better with everything that you do, and I'm sure that they're bringing you things every day about what's happening in the news. I mean, there's something new to say every single yes. day. How do you guys choose what to put on the skin? It's actually funny. That's from day one, truly been the easiest part mm -hmm. of our jobs. And really? now it's not just- How do you just, choose? Like, it's like, well, cause now it's not importance. just our job anymore. We have this amazing team. But I mean, I remember early on, you know, when I would think about how crazy our schedules were, we were running the business during the day, then we'd have to shift and do editorial literally all night. The truly easiest, Best part of my day was when we did our pitch meeting because we were like, we could do this in 10 minutes and know exactly what to put in tomorrow. And I think we, and truly, you know, anyone with a, with a strong news background, you know, you know what is already a story, what's going to feel old tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And you know what someone has to know tomorrow. And then you also know what's going to become a story, what to watch. So even if it doesn't seem like it's big yet, like it might be bubbling up. And so, you know, we've been ahead of the curve on that with a lot of international stories. I mean, I feel ahead of the curve every time I read this game. But the goal is that you could go tonight to any work event, any social event. You could talk to any I'm looking at my whole crew right now. And I just <laughs> told them, <laughs> I said, I said, you feel like so much smarter. Like you sit down at a dinner and you can just like you know you know we all know yeah. those parties that you don't really want yeah, to talk to yeah, anybody yeah. and all of a sudden you just pull one of those little gems <laughs> out of the skin and you just are like that informed person what we saw was just no one has enough time like no matter what you do yeah no matter who you are you are always strapped for time and the more products that come out the more platforms there are, the more ways to get information, it just creates more noise. Yeah, and you guys make it so easy. Thank you. So Thank what's you. the connection between confidence and information? I think one of the things that we focus on is with information, you feel more confident to start a conversation mm. and to enter a conversation or to lead one. And I think that in today's world, it's so important to talk to people. And so often I think people start conversations or feel comfortable when they're around people that are into the same things that they are, that have the same backgrounds. And we saw just in an age of personalization, so getting to choose what news you're getting or especially getting to choose, you know, with platforms who you're seeing opinions from, we want people to feel like they have the confidence to go out there and strike up a conversation mm -hmm. about anything and learn from what comes also, back and forth. Also, if you have information, then you're confident in choices that you make. Mm -hmm. And so whether that's who to vote for or in other categories mm -hmm. of your life. And so we really look at like what we're doing is building a movement around having choice. And yeah. there's so much power and confidence, obviously, around that. And that's what I'm talking about. These dinner parties, you just, you feel more confident. Yeah, yeah totally. <sighs> I really love this game. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I really do. I feel Thank like it makes me smarter. I really do. Because like you could listen to podcasts all day long, but that quick in the morning, <laughs> I'm laying in bed and I shouldn't be on social Aww. media. I just open up the skin. When you do like Thank the early you. morning feedings, we'll be up with you. Yeah, yeah. girl. Hopefully, I'll be there breastfeeding. <laughs> and I'll be like, mm. <laughs> do you know when we pictures. first started? People used to send us pictures of them nursing, yeah. and reading the skim, and we were like, "This is an amazing community," but like, we don't need to see everything. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> yeah. people get really personal. They do. They do. It's just we have an amazing community. Okay, guys, let's be honest. I am not the world's best chef. In fact, I don't even really cook. I just kind of let Justin do all of it, and then I'm the world's best 
taste tester. So I have been cooking, especially being a new mom, hanging out, I've got baby Isaac in the back, and it's all thanks to HelloFresh. They send me all of these ingredients, I even get recipes, because you know I ain't just like throwing things together. And everything is pre-portioned, so I don't end up with extra food. The box is recyclable, the bag is recyclable, which we love because we're saving the planet. And um, it's for everybody. It's for the picky eaters, the vegetarians, the vegans. We got you. It only takes about 30 minutes, which also is really helpful for when you've got a crying baby in the background and all you are is just hungry. It's past the new year, but if you use this code in their new year sale, you can have all of this for $5.66 per serving and just go to hellofresh.com slash prettybigdeal10 and use the code prettybigdeal10. So use this code and get 10 free meals and free shipping. Not so bad, is it? That's hellofresh.com slash prettybigdeal10 and use the code prettybigdeal10. And tonight I'm gonna be using zucchini to be making zucchini boats. I've never heard of a bruschetta zucchini boat, but I'll let you guys know how I do. All right, back to pretty big deal. Okay, so we gotta talk money because you guys okay. have had your fair share of the highs and the lows yes. of what money coming in and yeah. out and everything. And you, know, you just have everything from going into credit card debt on purpose mm -hmm. to getting VCs. Yeah. So what has that process been like for you? And like, when did you know, okay, it's time to get investors? It's, there's a few things. One, <laughs> it was like the hardest process I've ever been through. It's a really horrible thing to ask people for money, no matter the situation. Uh -huh. And it is a really weird thing to be in a professional setting and basically be all dressed up to beg for money. <laughs> and that's what you're doing. And it never gets easier. I think we get asked a lot like by people like, when do you know that it's time to raise? And we didn't have a choice. When we left our jobs, we had $4,000 combined between the two of us. We were roommates. We lived in a, an apartment with cheap rent for New York standards, and we decided that we should go into credit card debt together. It was an election year. We knew we could get freelance jobs. We talked about like side hustles we could do. Um, and we're both very close to our families, but we they, it wasn't like a, a safety net Mom for and us. dad aren't like passing along the no. money. No, And so we had a lot of dinners and a lot of hugs, but <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, we had to figure that out. And so from day one, I mean, I remember like when we started taking meetings, just like in general about the company in our first week, people would say, are you guys raising money? And we, we were just like, yes. Like we had no idea. We we're like, how does that process even start? We didn't even know about venture capital yet. And we didn't also know like how venture capital works, which is the worst thing you can do is be like, I'm raising and it's taking me a very long time. It's like the equivalent of walking around being like, I'm single looking for my mate. Are you ready to get married today? Like, oh my God. it's the equivalent of doing that. We inadvertently for over a year put out that, yeah, we're just raising money and like, we haven't raised it yet. <laughs> like, it was it was a very stupid move on our part. So wait, what sh should you have done? We should have had a strategy oh. of like who to approach, how to approach them. Um, we just didn't know how the much money how much money we, wanted, money we wanted to raise. We kept changing yeah. the number. Uh, um, so there was just a lot of misinformation. They were like, oh, our these young girls don't know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. We, just, we sounded like we didn't know what we were I doing. Think, I mean, that's one of the best pieces of advice we give people now is to think about it. If you have to raise money, which like we did, there was no other option. If you don't have to, think about funding it yourself or thinking about, you know, looking at different options than just venture. Because I feel like in the age of like the Facebooks and Silicon Valley, it just feels like this glorified thing. And venture has been fantastic for us, but there are a lot of other ways to think about funding your business. And yeah. once you go down that path, 
There's mm-hmm. no really getting out of yeah, it, yeah, right? Yeah, made a Because deal. then you can't really buy yourself and out. Someone once told us, I never forgot it, that an entrepreneur told us when you read about somebody raising venture money, you should write them a note and say, I'm sorry. And we were like, what? Like, all we want is a term sheet. Mm-hmm. And what you don't hear about or think about so much is like, while raising money is amazing and, and one of, I mean, it was life-changing for us and we love our investors and we're so grateful. When you take in venture capital money, you are relinquishing some of your ownership of mm-hmm. your baby. And so that's why you're supposed to say, I'm sorry, because you are taking a bet that bringing in this money, bringing in this outside help will help you have a you know a smaller piece of a bigger pie mm-hmm. and it will pay off, but you're giving up something part of what you own. And that's a really weird emotional thing. Are you guys majority owners in this, the Daily Skim? So we are a big piece of the pie. Got it. Um, and also we're equal pieces of the pie, which is which very, is very important, important to us. And I think that that's where we've seen a lot of relationships get fractured. And so when we thought about fundraising, it's been, it's always the two of us. We're equal partners that the or- editorial vision um, those decisions stay with us and no one else. And, and that we're yeah. That's great. What would you have done differently knowing what you know now? Oh, oh my God, everything. Not, <laughs> I mean, not, and it's honestly, everything, we were so, but not we were so lucky that yeah. we ended up with our investors because I wouldn't, I mean, I'm so grateful who we work with. So when I say everything, the outcome was what it should have been. Right. You know, but the, it's the process. It's of course. the advice that people gave us that, like, like you oh, know, raise the, more. Here's a perfect example. This is like just shows how much we didn't know. We are, when we first raised money, we were working with an attorney who didn't tell us that he was leaving Mm -hmm. on paternity leave the day our term sheet signed. Now, you don't just find out about that that day. Like, there obviously could have been notice. So we get the term sheet. We've never had it never had anything like this in our life. And it's very complicated to understand these documents and what you're agreeing to. And it's a long process to get to final close. And that person left, and we were, we were left with an overworked associate. So they send over truly hundreds of pages of documents, and we're like, ever the student, like, okay, we'll figure this out, it will be fine. I, I stayed up the whole night, and I redlined this giant document of things that oh. didn't make sense to me. And then I sent them to the lawyer, and I was like, I went through this, and you know, here are all the things that are concerned, there's a lot. And they wrote back, these are boilerplate Delta char- uh, Del- Delaware charter documents. Like, they're literally the laws of Delaware yeah. that I was redlining because no one told me they were just boilerplate <sighs> documents. Oh. Like, I was trying to edit the law of Delaware. <laughs> and that just everything was an uphill battle. So when I say there's so many things that we, we would do differently, <laughs> it was um, just not being educated enough about what we were doing and how to do it and the questions to ask and what what not to stress about. So there were so many things like that that we were spending. I mean, I didn't go to sleep one night because I thought it was important to do that, and it wasn't. So do you feel like your investors bring something more to the table than just money? Yes. Or they do? Okay, yeah. that's Especially great. Especially our, our first tell investors. Me, tell us what they bring a little bit so to the table. So Homebrew Ventures um, led our seed round, Satya Patel and Hunter Walk, and they both have product backgrounds um, mm-hmm. from Twitter and YouTube. And we thought that we were organized. And then we started working with them, and it was like a whole different level of how you take an idea and bring it to the point of execution. I think that they also gave us so much advice on how to hire. They did interviews for us. They, they helped, helped us fill out our first RFPs, like yeah. working with advertisers. They helped What's us an source- RFP? Ugh, the worst. 
Uh, it's the request for proposal, which is basically when a brand wants to have companies pitch them, of like, you should advertise with us, you have to fill it out. We paused because we did a whole blog post calling it really fucking painful, because that's what it is. <laughs> um, it it's is very like, confusing to fill out. Yeah. They really went above and beyond. And I think that there was no way we would have gone as far as we did those first early years without them. Yeah. Yeah. So they helped you fill the first roles. Yeah. yeah. What were the first roles that you filled? We've hired first somebody to help figure out how to manage our community because we were just we were mm. flooded with our members just reaching out, wanting to be a part of something, calling themselves ask ambassadors, and we needed help literally organizing that. Then we hired somebody for growth and analytics. Um, we said we want to get to a million users and we want to do it in a year, and we did it in six months. It's all about the users. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he was. We were told we had to hire a growth hacker. And like, to like fake the number. No, no, but we were like, what the fuck is We it? were like, Sorry, no one knows. It's okay, because they fuck. fuck. No one knows what that means. <laughs> Just makes you want to say it more. Right? Yeah, it's totally. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Okay, growth hacker. What and the fuck is that? In San Francisco, people were like, oh yeah, I know what a growth hacker is. And in, in New, New York, York, everyone was like, that's not a real job. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> It's, yeah. Uh, no. So he basically we uh, found he ran data yeah. and analytics for us, and then we hired an engineer. Oh wow! Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you you talked about the culture at the skim. What is the culture that you guys have set for the skim? Well, I think it's a good one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I think so too. But you know, tell us about uh, it. It's uh, it's really feedback driven. We don't have a lot of time. And everyone who shows up every day has gone through a pretty intense interview process. We each do a final round interview with anyone that gets an offer. They meet other people at the company, no matter what level. So if we actually, when we're hiring executives, we bring them in for a day to shadow. Mm. And that means having interviews with like a 22 year old that just got hired to our VP of product. Mm. Because we wanna make sure that this person can lead and react to people at all different levels. We do one-on-one interviews with everyone who has a direct report. So it's like 20 minutes, it's their meeting, here's how the week went, there's no surprises, giving and getting feedback on both sides. I think our view on how we manage is that you can have the best idea and it won't go anywhere unless you have a team that is with you. And so to do that, we feel like we have to really support people through not just things like free snacks, although we do have that. Oh, that's um, nice of you. But through really good policies, we have a really amazing paid family leave program. We have four and a half months wow. paid. We have really thought through what will make a difference when people go through big life moments and try to be there so that when they're at work, they know that they're supported and hopefully that comes back to us. And that's what we've seen. We're also a very values-driven culture and organization and we use our values and how we give feedback in how we screen for candidates and making sure that we live up to what we know we're sitting on. And that we, I think what I'm always like most proud of is we hear this all the time. We know that our team is talented, but when people say, you know, I met so-and-so in your office, your team is so kind, or mm, I've never met comment. such yeah. like good people. And that to me, we're really, really proud of how we've curated that. Sounds like a pretty nice culture over there at the so. Always, I you know, think. areas that you're growing and learning, but uh, I one think we our, worked really hard on One of our values too is, um, or part of our values, There's two that really stick out to me. And one is have perspective. You go through so much with these people around you all the time. Mm -hmm. And we say, like, we're not literally saving lives. 
If the newsletter doesn't go out, I will, like, both of us will, of course, be really upset. But there are people who show up every single day and go save someone's life. Like, Mm. put into perspective what you're doing. I think the other thing is we're really competitive for each other and not with each other. Mm. And that's a a good way to channel a team that at times can be really type A and likes to dive in. (laughs) perspective on that yeah (laughs) your company is growing so fast and it's expanding rapidly what has been the biggest challenge now because you guys make it seem so easy breezy oh my gosh we don't mean to Um, yeah managing has been the hardest thing has it I mean, yeah. we never managed before. I never managed an intern before this. And so learning... Is it hard to tell somebody what to do all the time? No. <laughs> it's hard to communicate. I think that I we both have had yeah. to learn that we could we haven't communicated clearly. Um, well, after 13 years of speaking the same language. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I think it's, it's a muscle. You have to be able to like inspire a vision, but then not micromanage how it gets done. And that is much harder than I ever anticipated. And so sometimes, like, and I'm glad, honestly, those are the moments where I'm glad there's the two of us because I'm like, am I crazy? Didn't I say that? Or am I losing my mind? Like, didn't we just talk about that? And then if people aren't understanding that, then that's on us. That's not on them. That's like, we didn't communicate what we wanted clearly enough. Then it's hard not to micromanage. I think it's about at this stage (laughs) trying to set it up so that people will do the things you want them to do when you're not there. And so it's not about micromanaging. It's like, if we're not in the office for a week, are, is it still going to be run the way we want it to? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the communication comes in mm-hmm. because it's much more training people how to get our instincts and our reactions. And that's tough. And tough. we thought we were good at communicating and we're not. Like neither one of us is, it turns out. Um, Working so, on it. That's an interesting yeah. thing to learn about yourself. It's a really at humbling this stage thing. In life. We've gone to like uh, exec coaches before and, and we've been told it's actually a really big gift to know that at this stage of life mm-hmm. because we have a lot of time to change it. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, it is. So you can have change. perspective. Yes. Have perspective. I'm yeah. totally going to use that. Oh, yeah, it's, it's fun to say it. Okay, so now I want to talk politics. Okay. In 2018, you had over 200,000 people yes. register yes. to vote. Yes. What's your guys' plans for 2020? So we're part of a movement to get 20 million women out there to vote in 2020. This is, we strongly, strongly feel that if you are going to get informed, you need to then act on it. Our job every single day is to make sure millions of people in this country wake up and know what's going on in the world. And we don't want it to be passive. We Mm -hmm. want people to get out there and vote. And it's not for us to tell you or decide who you vote for. We want to make sure that you are prepared to make the decision that's right for you. Yes. Okay, so do us a favor. I know this is, I mean, we're kind of early-ish in the election, but still not. For everybody listening, I'm pretty big deal. Can you guys give us like a little POV of the front runners? Well, I think you've got Biden, Kamala, Warren, Warren and Sanders. And then you've got Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete, I think he's having a resurgence and, you know, he keeps having on and off performances. I His fundraising numbers have been impressive. I think that, you know, the front runner going into this was going to be VP Biden. 
and it seems like he's he's getting a run for it, but he's still leading in the national polls. I think Warren has really um, sparked some interest, and it'll be interesting to see her and Senator Bernie Sanders kind of compete for different parts of the more progressive wing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. I think it's a really interesting juxtaposition between Biden, who has been in politics for decades, who has already been a part of an administration, um, go up against candidates who are putting out some different policies and want to see different types of change. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. You can but hear you a have very to vote. Yeah. biased No opinion. excuse not to vote. There really isn't. And I totally agree with that. I think that if you want to see change, you have to Well, our rule is simple. Change. You can't complain if you don't vote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like every single girl in her 20s, if not like late teens, should have the skim book in her room. I agree. No, I'm serious. When I opened it up and just started like skimming it, and then I really started reading it, if I would have known even just half of what was in that book, I feel like, you know, in so many ways when I was in my 20s, I was an old soul. Yeah. But I was just... I was skimming through well, life. Like, we all have. We all were. I mean, I yeah. think the reality is, no but, matter how rich you are, how poor you are, how educated you are, how not educated you are, like no one has their shit together. And yeah, but I would have had my shit together a little bit better if I would have had that book. But, but we all have the same questions. <laughs> Thank you. And we'll take this, it. this will help you get your shit together. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you know, we really go through like everything from when you're in a restaurant, how mm-hmm. to order the wine the that you pronounce. Oh no, me and my writer were actually talking about how she was like, I always buy the second to least. No, no, you, no, you can't do that. You that's what buy she does. The cheapest. No, that's the cheapest. Yeah. Yeah. And no. so what are you supposed to buy? The cheapest. Yeah. So just get or the like cheapest. Be, be a heavy hitter, yeah. fall out if you want to, but and don't get the In the book we have cheapest. a whole guide yeah. of like, if you like this kind of food, you'll like this kind of wine yeah. so you can reference and it. And also home, homeowning. Like when you even try to go get a mortgage, what do you ask? Like, what are the things you should yeah. know about when you're trying to negotiate how, your salary? It's like, wild. how to do it. How did you guys decide what to put in the book? It was all the shit that we've had to look up in the past few and years. And also, like, <laughs> seriously? Like, yeah. So yeah. How do you remember what you looked up? Uh, because our community has the same questions. So once we started actually, like, putting together this book, we would think about what we've been talking about for years in our ambassador group, in the text messages with our friends. Um, it's all there if you start to go back and think about the questions that you have. Did you guys learn anything from the book? Oh, yeah. I mean, the history stuff was interesting. I actually, like, for me, like, I loved the travel tips. That was yeah. not an area that I was an expert in. Oh, see, in. that I skimmed. Through. I was like, oh, oh I because know all you know all Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was I loved 12. the, like, Yesterday. the time efficient stuff. Or, um, we learned my favorite was this Pomodoro method, which is yeah. like you do 20 minutes of intense work and then take a break. I do very well with that. So I really think that the skim is like a daily routine for me. It's like one of my morning things. And I think a lot of girls should have that. But what are your guys' morning routines like? Oh, gosh. Um, Especially being business owners. Well, here's the irony of all ironies. Somehow, I am the worst morning person in the world, and I somehow started a company that went after morning routines. (laughs) So, like, I set about 10 alarms to, like, wake up, like, snooze alarms. I do, too. Like, I can't wake up. It's the most annoying thing ever. I immediately check my phone to see did anyone text me, and then I check my email and make sure the skim went out. Then I No like, SOSs. Yeah, and then I, like, did any, like, family or something, like, email me that was, like, very urgent. Then I put it away. Then I, I got up to the bathroom, and then I read, like, my gossip sites first before I read news. You are so funny, the yeah. gossip yeah. sites. Yeah. 
I do, Alexa has brought me my morning routine. So I've shifted to the audio part and I do NPR and also our briefing. So we read the newsletter, we still look at it before it goes out. And in the morning, what I like to do is listen to it. And then I also play the weather, the traffic. And that has helped me because then when I go on my phone, it's like the Instagram and yeah, subsites. Because then you can get like stuck. We call yeah. it the black hole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Deep. The black hole. Okay, so tell me how you guys have stayed friends. I mean, I think another thing that's just so brilliant about not only the skim, but Carly and Danielle, is that you guys have really just stayed friends. And you guys have made it seem super seamless. Well, it hasn't been that hard. Yeah, I think that part is the easiest part. People are always like, I once had an employee ask me, oh, would you do this weekend? And I mentioned, you know, well, Carly and I did this. And she was like, oh, you guys are actually friends? And I was like, do you think that this, this was like exhausting. a made PR story? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think we've become much better friends and our families have become so close. And I'm really... The hubbies. I mean, yeah. almost hubby, Carly. <laughs> I'm really thankful for it. I think that you go through so much and this can be so isolating and you see so much about mental health and entrepreneurship and it is really lonely and it's really hard. And so having someone that you don't have to explain what work is like is amazing. I love that. Mm -hmm. What's next for you guys as individuals, as the skim? Oh, well, as individuals, I want to plan my next vacation. Yeah. Uh, but And put a wedding date on. Come <laughs> on. Being married is awesome. All right, well, if you say so. Um, <laughs> and then for Skim, it's getting ready for No Excuses 2020. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. yeah. So uh, getting all ready for that. And then really focusing on bringing our mission to the next level, which is really creating a movement about choice. And with choice, you can make decisions. And that's where the power is for this generation. So we are ready to take Skim life to other areas in our audience's life. Danielle, you have something next that you're doing? I always Besides going on vacation. <laughs> try to talk my husband into letting us get another dog. So I hope How he's listening to this. We have one. Oh, yeah. thank you. It's not going well. Oh, I'm sorry. But, yeah. Well, no, your existing dog is going oh, well. Oh, yeah. The, no, but getting like, the second yeah, is not going Getting the second well. one is hard, yeah. So that's my long-term plan. <laughs> I hope you're yep. listening, hubby. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably like, I'm not listening. I yeah. all this crap. <laughs> he's like, you don't walk the one we have. Oh, <laughs> ooh, true. See, yeah, that's no. why Justin said we can't get any animals. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to be the one taking care yeah, of it. Oh, it's too much. totally true. I don't know what's going to happen with the kid, though, because I'm because well, it's different. Your kid will travel I wanted, with you. Yes, but I wanted to practice with you a know, dog? I did, yeah. but I didn't, you well, know, I didn't set that, that up. Just get it. I hate do to it. tell you, you already knocked do it, it at the same time. <laughs> I hate yeah. to tell you. Do it at the same time, puppy and a baby. Can you imagine the stress and construction? No. 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 Yeah, but then you won't sleep anyway. I'm like, oh, just get Great. it. Great. Sign me up. No, absolutely not. You guys, thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you so much. So one thing I like to do at the end of every Pretty Big Deal yeah. is a little lightning round. Ooh, yes. Okay. And I just need you guys to fill in the blank. Okay. There's four questions. Oh, if you guys scary. both want to answer, pick one. Okay. 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 I haven't had two guests yet. Okay, I pretty much always... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Text no. uh, <laughs> I pretty much always. Oh, I have one for you. What? I'm running late. Oh, that's rude. <laughs> uh, no, I pretty much always text back. I, I'm a fast texter. You I, are. I'm well, you a, pretty much always text back, so you don't always text back. Oh, fine. Okay, well, that was a bad answer then. All right, I'm pretty much always late. <laughs> I don't know what yeah, else to see. Say. Okay. Um, I pretty much always want to go to sleep. <laughs> So I'm pretty much always tired. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what's the biggest lesson you've learned this year? To put things out there. 
speak we did, it. Yeah, speak it. Exactly. I'm very big into manifesting. So putting it out there. Yeah, uh, I'm also become into that. But um, I think I'll say something different. I think this year learned how to focus better on, on having very clear priorities. So like my priority list has gone from like the five things I'm doing to like, here's the one thing I'm focusing on. And I take myself out of everything not related to it. That's good. Tunnel vision. Yeah, tunnel vision. That's good. What's the biggest deal you've made? And it could be like, you know, business deal or like, this is a big deal. I think our doing our fundraising. I mean, that was to me like the biggest. Also hiring, hiring our executive team. Yeah. It's a huge deal to us. It's like, a big deal. Having yeah. a team that we're in it with at that level. Yes. Yeah. Not just us. All right. Danielle, mm-hmm. Carly, you guys are a really big deal. A pretty big deal. But what's a pretty big deal to both of you? Voting. <laughs> Gotta vote. Voting. That's a good answer. I don't want to say something different. No excuses. Yeah. No excuses. No excuses. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having us. Thank you. This was this was fantastic. You're good at this. SNL, watch out. Hello. And also, everybody at home, I want to encourage you to watch this episode of Pretty Big Deal. Talking to Danielle and Carly on the skim. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Pretty Big Deal is produced by Pretty Big Deal Productions and OBB Sound. 